1: welcome to another episode of the unveiling grace podcast thanks for joining us i'm joel grote
2: and i'm lynn wilder and we have melanie with us again part two melanie say your last name masiki,
3: <laughs> melanie
2: masiki. So, I love it. so find part two with <laughs> melanie masiki yes <laughs> she brought up something i'm not even sure if it came up in your interview did it yeah i guess it did but something that we want to explore a little further as i talk to folks leaving mormonism i'm running into a lot of folks with a background in sexual abuse and i know people have heard me say this before i've been praying for some time right that Mm -hmm. god would bring folks who are on the other side of that healing, mm-hmm. who can help a lot of the folks that I talk to come to a place of, of healing. So, you've been through yes. some um, kind of healing
3: process, right? Yes. And so, I want you to talk about that. Yes. So, um, for me, going through the healing process that I'll get into a little bit was pivotal to my relationship with God it was almost one in the same mm. like so it was... once you came to believe there might be a God yes he literally walked me through that process because it has to be healed he is he's he knows it's there yeah right. and, and he is the healer <laughs> and for
1: those who missed part one of her story Melanie was, LDS, and when she left, walked away from everything.
0: Yes. God
1: included for quite a few years. I don't remember yeah, exactly. Over about, 20 years. Over 20 years. Yes. So when you talk about coming back to God, it was
3: a journey back. Yeah. I had a, I always say I had a train full of baggage behind me <laughs> <laughs> that I brought with me. So the sexual abuse that occurred happened
2: within the Mormons faith or with it actually really happened
3: prior so if you go back and listen to the other episode you'll hear me talk about how i came to the church when i was about 13. right so the sexual the mormon ab- church the mormon mm-hmm. church yes when i was about 13. so the sexual abuse actually happened when i was six but when the sexual abuse happens within the family and then the family becomes within the church and then those people within the family have high positions in the church It's hard to understand why people have specific callings when they have a specific nature that is abusive.
2: So besides having to sort through the idea that you were abused, you have to sort out this religion thing. Right. Who's God? And how can people who claim to believe God and yet are sexually abusing me have these high positions in supposedly God's church?
3: Right. Exactly. And so... I had a hard time understanding, like I, if you listen to the episode talk about how I was soaking everything up with a sponge because I was looking for God. I was looking for the purpose in life. I knew that there was something else out there and I was learning everything I could. And so when you hear that these callings, God is calling these people, now I'm questioning God because I'm questioning this God. Why would he call that person when... That person has sexually abused me. That person is physically abusive at ho- in our home. No one knows any of this stuff is going on, mm. you know, because it's the double life. Everything has to look good from the outside. What happens in the home stays in the home. We don't talk right. about it. Um, so I, c- I couldn't put those two pieces together because what's the answer to that? And there's nowhere to go with that information. And And so this is not unusual. I
1: was going to say, with good (laughs) reason, this is not.
3: There's a
2: woman by the name of Deb Diener that put together hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of incidences of this within the Mormon religion where Mm -hmm. folks were priesthood holders, had callings in the church, and yet were abusing. Often the abuse was known by other priesthood holders, they were not um, ever <laughs> reported, and even people kn- sometimes knew abuse was going on. So I would refer you, we'll link to that. Mm, um, that's a good idea. Mormon leaks at one time came out with that document. So it's not unusual. Mm. Oh. Go ahead. Go and ahead. I was just
1: going to say, and with good reason, you couldn't put that together. That's not meant to be put together. So if other right. people are going, well, I can't put it together either, that's actually a good thing. Because it's, there's no that is supposed to be a clash, so right. right.
3: And so I had I I can't remember if I mentioned the other podcast another episode or not. But I actually went to Ricks. when I left the home. Mm-hmm. I wasn't smart enough to go to BYU, so I got into Ricks, and I just wanted to get out of the house because that I was raised in this traumatic, um, narcissistic environment, and you know I I just wanted to get out of there and have my own. I was better off on my own, no matter what that looked like, mm-hmm. and so. There was resources offered at the school where you could go get therapy. It was included in your tuition. So I was like, I'm going to go talk to this therapist. And I was like so excited. I was going to finally have a safe person to go let this out. That, you know, it would be, I could talk to this person. And so I go in there to my appointment. I swear the appointment was like... Five and a half minutes. Like, I literally told her a little bit, like, this is what happened. And I don't even think I told her about the sexual trauma because I had really gotten in the habit of only sharing bits of my story with people that I felt could handle it or wouldn't rat me out. How old were you at this time? At this time, I graduated at 17, so I'm 17. And so I only told her about the physical abuse part. I don't believe I told her about the sexual part because... You know, you can't go all the way until you know how people right. are going to react. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told me I needed to get over it. It was in the past, and I needed to get over it. And I was like, "Is oh this therapy? God. Like I this thought. Is... I kind of expected I was going to get some tools or some advice or something. So again, I was like, the problem is me. I, ha- I this is mm-hmm. me, and I just need to figure it out in, on my own. Which would be Mormon teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't much. know where else you're gonna. Figure it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, and that's, all that's, about you. Yeah,
1: that's at the heart of the Mormon system is what mm-hmm. Lynn's getting at, this idea that it's always back on you. Mm. There can't be anything wrong with the system. There can't be anything wrong with anybody else within the system, right. especially if they're in leadership. So it's got to be you.
3: Right. And then ironically, and this was just at the time, so I'm in a library. So I'm like, maybe I can find some books that will help me through this. There are no books on abuse at that time. Or sexual trauma, or sexual diseases, or anything to do with any of that stuff in the college library at the time, and I was—that was really eye-opening to me because the internet wasn't really a thing then, really. Like, you didn't have access to it, and yeah. I was like, "Well, what are people doing if this stuff is happening? Like, where do we go? Like, I had nowhere to go. I couldn't tell my roommates because they—they they had perfect lives and they were marrying missionaries, and they none of them had even alluded to even having anything remotely like this happen to me, happened mm-hmm. to them. So I couldn't." I couldn't relate to anyone around me either. And so that was super hard. So then I turned to reading other books. Like every self-help book I could get my hands on, I was reading it. Because I'm trying to figure out what is wrong with me. And how to fix it. Right. Why do I react to things different than a normal person? Why do things affect me different than a normal person? Um, why do these things keep happening to me? How do these men keep binding me? Mm, like, yeah, I, I there's something rotten in years. me. Or, you know, there's something... Something's broken in me. And I did all the write, uh, write your abuser a letter. I wrote a horrible letter to my mom. I'm still mortified about, about just getting out, you know, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you, you know... I still feel bad about sending that letter. And I was just trying to go through the process of this is supposed to make me feel better. You're supposed to send the letter and... The, It makes you feel better. And now, like, I have to repent of that because I probably hurt her. And we've had conversations about that. But it was just me trying to fix the problem on my own. Yeah. So when I came to um, Christ, when I found Christ, and that's in the other episode, I knew there was this brokenness inside me. And every time everything about Jesus was he's the redeemer he's the healer he heals the the broken places and I would sit there in church every Sunday waiting for the magic wand waiting like you just sit there waiting for and I'm like where is it a year I don't feel any different I'm still I still cry during commercials or any like I was so broken I cried over everything Mm, and it's the sorrow leaking out literally and so Probably about a year and a half was the first time that this program that I went through um, came up, and it was offered at the church. It's called Mending the Soul, and we can put the links for that too because they hold them all over the place. At which okay.
2: church? now?
3: So this was at a Bible-based Christian <laughs> yes. church. Yes. Right. Yes. Because at this what point to... you've
1: walked away from yes. Mormonism.
3: Yes, I've walked away from Mormonism. I have found the real Christ, and I am learning about the Bible and Him and his, Jesus's works on the earth and everything different than I'd been taught my entire life. So I, you know, that first year and a half is really spent on understanding the theology and unwinding everything that wasn't, that Mm -hmm. isn't, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and learning about who this Jesus is, like the actual Jesus. And so that's a lot. And so the first time this class was offered, my church was actually in the process of building a building and I applied to be part of the class, but it was literally like right when we were moving from the school into the new building. And I think my stuff got lost, but I know it was God's timing because I was not ready at that time to do mm. the work needed because when when you are... When God is doing work, we don't just sit there. Like, you have a part to do, and he's going to do the part only he can do. But we it's an involved relationship, and it's, it, there is work to be done on the inside, not yes. work-based. But you, there's things that you have to step out and be open and, and go through and look at.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's not a magic wand. And I, right. I so thought there was just like a, you know, God can snap his fingers and I'll be fixed.
2: Right. right. No, the God of
3: your is, the God
2: of your was, and the God of your is to come. Right. The right. God who needs to sometimes go with you into your was mm. to heal only what he can heal. Right. Right. But, right. But it can't be ignored and then tried to move on.
3: No. No. Right. no.
1: And it's the whole, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Mm. We partner with God, trusting him. Mm. And I think that's what you're getting at. There was something you had a part in working out, this sanctification process.
2: Yes. And yeah, it's, it's not a list we create. It's something the Holy Spirit works out right. by living in us, which only right. happens right, when you come to faith in the true Christ.
3: Mm. Yes. Yeah, there's no way this isn't this program isn't a magic program, it's not a it's not a magic book. Like you have to go in there ready and open and God will have prepared you for what you're about to walk through because mm-hmm. he knows. None of what happened to me was a surprise to him.
2: Right.
3: Like he knows and he knows what was gonna take to get me healed through that. Yeah. And how terrifying it was to me to take that step.
2: Oh, so tell me about that healing process
0: a little bit.
3: So um, once I got through, once I got, didn't get, I didn't get a call back the first time in my mind, because you have to tell a little bit of your story when you apply. I was like, they like looked at my story and was like, we can't help you. You know, I automatically <laughs> thought I'm too dirty. Like my I, my oh, trauma is too much. Oh god. Like because Satan messes with you. Yep. And so the second time I remember the slide coming up in the church and I was like, I already applied once and I didn't get it. And I was like, well, I'll just go check out their video and see, like, let me just see what it is. Because, you know, they have like, this is what our program's about. And I went home and I watched that video and I was like, this is me. Like everything they're talking about is me. Mm-hmm. And just that little bit opened up because, and when I got in the program, I understood more, but that was the first time someone had talked to me in my language about stuff that happens to other people. And it made me think I'm not the only one. Yeah. Wow. Well, because well. even though you know you're not, cause you hear horrible stories on the news. Yeah. No one talks about it. Like real people that don't make right. it to the news.
1: People that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And so I was like, maybe there's something here. And it was important to me that it was Bible-based mm-hmm. because I had tried to do the self-help thing and I got nowhere. And so we, they put you in a very small group with two facilitators. So it's very intimate um, from the setting to the, the, I don't wanna say rules, but they have you know, how to help each other. And, you know, so it's a really safe place. i would never been in a safe place before with safe people Mm -hmm. and it will start by the facilitators sharing their stories and by the time they get done you're like okay maybe I can share because everybody in that group and everybody in general has had trauma happen to them Mm. like from one poor girl her dad lit her on fire like there was so many things that I was like what you know and so then you were like okay okay if she can share I can share And there's so much in the Bible that talks about God being the light and we have to bring things into the light because in the darkness is where they do the damage. And we stuff all that trauma and that hurt and that pain in the darkness Mm. thinking that if we put it in the light, we're going to be shamed or we're going to, I don't know, like there's fear to bring it into the light. Mm. But the key is to bring it to the light in a safe place. And this is a safe place with Jesus and the Bible and prayer and women that had been through the same... Type similar battles. And so one of the first things that you do, um, first exercise they have you do, is you do like an inventory. And the inventory is like all the good memories you have and all the bad memories you have from as long as you can remember. And it also has you put on things that happened to you and things that you had done to other people. Ooh. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that is where I wanted to vomit because... For some reason in my head, it was almost justified for me to talk about things that had happened to me.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. But to admit... You're the victim.
3: Yes. But to admit I had sinned basically against other people was not so fun. Like, no, that bringing that into the nope. light, let's not, you know, in front of people. So I knew going into this, I only had what in me to go through this once because i was like i'm gonna go through this i'm gonna give it everything i have and i'm gonna do everything they asked me to do because Mm -hmm. i'm never doing this again that was my mentality going in (laughs)
1: it's one shot yep
3: and if i die i die because i literally thought the day it was my time to do my inventory i was going to die Mm -hmm. i had anxiety i asked people to pray for me because i'm like this is it i have to speak out loud what has happened to me, and you don't go into great detail, but you have to explain, you know, right. what has happened to you. All of it. Not the pieces that people can handle. But even all giving it. a voice can be yes. healing, right? And so yes. I had it up there, and I just read it off. It was all bullet points, and I just went through the whole thing, and then I broke down and bawled. And I didn't die. I'm here today.
0: <laughs>
3: but yes. I can't explain the, the, the biggest relief. And I think for me, the biggest relief came from, I had sinned against other people. There was trauma that had happened to me that I did against other people. And I can't use the excuse that, well, I did that because this happened to me. Yes, but I still did that. I still have to repent for that. And I have to get right with Jesus about that. But Jesus ever so gently, I can't even tell you, through each exercise, through each Bible story, through each, because mm-hmm. in that study, you're going through the stories in the Bible that people just skip over, like Tamar getting raped by her brother. Yeah. All of the stuff that happened to us was in the Bible. But you you dig into the into those stories and real and how God worked through those stories and then you're like, "Well, if he can work through that, like that's why they're in there, then he can work through my story and what happened to me and he can redeem that through me." And um, so talk to me about the root the root was actually crazy. So it was the the thing that I didn't even think was a big deal. And I mentioned it in my other pod, in the other mm-hmm. episode that I did. And it had to do with when I was growing up, my mom had a, like a, a really hard time at one point and we went to go live with our, my grandmother. And so I was kind of an extra there because you know, my, my aunt was still at home at that time. So she was kind of like a surrogate mom. She was that uh, senior. She's my surrogate mom. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I used to tell myself she was my real mom. Cause she was like awesome to me. But, um, like we just had, you know, that weird dynamic. And then when my mom, um, met my stepdad, then we got moved in to there and then they had their own children. So again, I was kind of always an extra. Mm-hmm. And wow. I think I had this fear that not understanding, you know, at four, five, six, what my mom is going through, that I was a burden. I wasn't wanted. Uh, my real dad left when we were young. I found right. out after he passed away that my mom actually took us away. <laughs> so, I mean, there's all this stuff you don't know what's going on, but you're processing that as a four, five, six year old. Yes. So, I just had this constant threat of abandonment through through my life. Mm. And so, when I married the non member and then he leaves me, takes all my things, comes back and steals my car. Like, it was a nightmare. I was 19 at the time, and so I, I had skipped through all that in my inventory. There was a couple points or whatever, and one of the facilitators like, I need you to go back to that that, what happened there. And they're like, okay, so what happened? And they had me really dig into... Okay, so you lost your job, you lost your husband, you lost... My dog got stolen the same day, you lost your car.
1: What, your dog?
3: Yeah, someone stole my dog as he was, like, packing up all our stuff. Like, it was horrible. It was a purebred chow. So I was like, I have nothing. (laughs) Yes, and then they're like, how old were you? And I was like, I don't know. And then I was, like, 19. And they're like, okay, so we need to camp out here for a minute. And then I was like, oh, maybe there's... You know, because that was kind of almost like a turning point for me where we had talked about this a little bit off camera where I shut my heart because I was like, and then the, you know, I went to the singles ward and the bishop told me that wanted to know what I did to make my husband leave. And I was just like, whoop. Yeah. Right. I closed up right there. Yeah. Because I was like, I I literally have nothing. Right. Nothing. And the only way I'm going to survive and not kill myself
2: is, right. I can't believe what you're telling and me. And
1: implicit in yeah. the bishop's question is, once again, and it's your fault. Right. Exactly. You have nothing and it's your fault. Exactly. Right. Which
2: right. is why you have to close off to that in order to survive and go on,
3: right? Right. So I literally lived the rest of my life in survival mode all the time. Right. Going 150 miles an hour, working my butt off, doing everything by myself and putting on the smile and
2: making yeah. it work oh until jesus came yes
1: <laughs> okay so then what going back to lynn's original question so then what do you find as the core is it this abandonment it's the it's, abandonment i have been yeah, yes. yeah. left alone yeah
3: right yeah. like that you can't trust people you can't trust anyone you certainly can't trust god because right. that was the first one that slammed the door on me in my head you know the god i knew shut the door on me and my at my lowest point ball. in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're done there. And then what do you have? Like, if you don't have God, like the real God, you really have nothing. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know him yet. I wasn't prepared to either. And what does the real, how does the real God view all of this? So that is what is crazy. And going through the study, it not only walks you through... Like God revealed to me where He was in all of this because my biggest thing was why did you let this happen to me? Right, and I think that's yeah. the you know that's the question. I'm abandoned has. by the humans. And I'm abandoned by God. Yeah, if right? you you know as I start learning about God and He's all sovereign and all knowing and all everything, the beginning and the end and all of it. Mm-hmm. Why did you let this happen to me? You could have you could have done anything to interrupt at any point. You could have right. done anything. Like mm-hmm. where. Were you, Mm -hmm. and they're part of this study. It's so great. There's these exercises where you literally write out where were you, Mm -hmm. and then you spend time in prayer. And he revealed to me like how he was with me the whole time. And then I was like, "Ah, bawling because I'm like, oh, you were there the whole time. I didn't even know because you know because you just I didn't know. Weeping with you. Yes. Yes. And he and the other thing that I think it skimmed over in abuse that was really something that I thought and I don't know exactly where this comes from but I thought that it just happened to me like it just happened and, and this book really lays out what abuse is and the predatory nature that has to happen yes. for these things to happen and it makes you look at it like this wasn't an oops no. Yeah, this, this wasn't is... an opportunity mm-hmm. there's like preparation that goes into it mm-hmm. yeah. there's deceit there's lies there's literally like Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he will use whatever he has at his disposal. Okay. Yeah. And in that case, it was the abuser. in, my, It was the broken person in my home. And he had opportunity, and he was a predator, and he took it. Right. And so I had to look at it, because I had already forgiven this person in my before. In my mm-hmm. check it off the list, you're forgiven, right. and I'm okay mm-hmm. with God because I forgave you. But going through this makes you look at abuse for what it is because you have to see what it is and you have to understand that the predator the predatory nature right right this is clear evil yes right. and, and then that, you step back and be like that's not okay yeah
1: yeah there's an intentionality
3: yes a mm-hmm. mm-hmm. grooming mm-hmm. they use the grooming mm-hmm. word and right. i was like that is not okay yeah. i'm not okay with that and it's not that i didn't don't forgive him but i realized i hadn't forgiven him because i hadn't seen the depth of what had happened right I was only looking yeah. at the event, not all of the seeds that were laying to make sure that this could continue. Mm. And when your eyes are open to that, you have a real like adjustment period because you can't forgive until you understand the full nature of the sin. Mm. Like It, it was surface when I was like, oh, I forgive him. It's fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. You know?
2: Yeah, that's more of an avoidance than it is actually dealing with the reality. Yes,
3: you're not processing Mm. anything, you're just putting some ketchup on it and, you know, put some flowers on it and it looks good in the corner, you know? So um, that was really eye-opening when we went through that because then I had to look at that person completely differently.
1: Now I get a sense that there's more healing to come, but we're pretty much at the end of this podcast episode. So are you willing to continue this story? Sure. With us? Yes. Okay. Wow. Thank you, Melanie. Um, I'm just sitting here taking it all in, just combination grieved by what's happened, but then going to look at you now, because to look at you now, I wouldn't have any idea the depth and the level of trauma and grief you've been through. So it's an incredible testimony to the Mm -hmm. restoration God can bring to a heart. So I'm very excited about this next part where I think you're going to get into more of what God has done to bring about that change.
2: Yes. And who he is in your life now. Yes. Yes. So thank you for listening and please find part three. Grace and peace until next time.
1: So long.